Good day to you. My name is David Creech, and you know what? I really appreciate you allowing me time from your busy schedule to share with you something truly amazing. An introduction to what I call God's amazing plan. We're going to start by making two major assumptions. Assumptions that we hope to prove beyond a reasonable doubt in the lessons that follow. But bear with me for a while on these two basic assumptions. The first one is that there is an all-powerful creator. An all-powerful creator that we call God. And the second is that this God communicated his will, his wishes, his plan to us in some way. Now, this first 25-minute lesson is just the introduction to the series. In, in later lessons, assuming you're interested in hearing more, we'll talk more specifically about the evidence of God and the nature of God and, and exactly how he communicates with us. But at the end of this lesson, we'll, we'll talk about how this God created every one of us with a choice. And it is up to me, it is up to you, the listener, to choose, to draw your own conclusions about the existence of God and whether or not God did in fact communicate a plan to us and just how amazing that plan really is. Let me begin by asking a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, can't see the forest for the trees? Well, life tends to be a lot like that. We get so focused on the here and now just trying to live life from day to day, just trying to take one step at a time, and that all we see around us are the trees. It's easy to forget that the trees around us make up a much larger forest, and, and that the forest itself is part of a much bigger picture. And speaking of a bigger picture, have you ever put a jigsaw puzzle together? I can tell you, I put a few together, and if they have more than about 100 pieces, I lose interest pretty quickly. But, but I do know enough about them to know that it's a whole lot easier to put them together if you have some idea of what the end result is supposed to be. The picture on the cover of the box. The big picture, if you will. Now check out this puzzle. 18,000 pieces. Personally, I, I can't imagine taking the time to figure that out, but imagine how hard it would be if someone just handed you a bag with 18,000 puzzle pieces in it, and you had no idea what the puzzle was supposed to look like. I, I can tell you, I'd be doing good just to get the right side of all the pieces facing up. <laughs> I'd be doing even better if I could find the four corner pieces, I suppose. But just like a jigsaw puzzle, we need to be able to see the big picture 
in order to put the pieces of life together. And speaking of putting the pieces of life together, let's take a look at the big picture of the puzzle of life. <clears throat> I, I want you to visualize something with me. The dot on this page is supposed to represent the entirety of humanity and creation. If you were to zoom in to that dot, of course, you'd see a long timeline that began at creation and it runs all the way up until the present. But, but looking at the big picture, we have this sort of bird's eye view of all of that. Now, we already made this assumption earlier, but suppose for a minute that there exists a being a being who had no beginning and who will have no end. Now let's face it, that's simply a concept that is impossible for us to wrap our brains around, isn't it? I mean, we all had a beginning. We've been to enough funerals to know that we will all have an end, right? And because every minute of every hour of every day of our lives is driven by time, we simply can't fathom an existence that is independent of time. But you know what? That's okay. Uh, we don't have to completely understand it. We simply understand that eternity, as the Bible calls it, is a for lack of a better description, a very, very, very long time. Now, speaking of long times, I, I can wrap my brain around a hundred years. Uh, I actually know people, and you probably do too, who have been alive that long. I can even wrap my brain around a thousand years because uh, I've studied history. You know, we're, we're very much aware of what was going on a thousand years ago. But I start to have trouble trying to wrap my brain around, say, 10,000 years or 100,000 years. And certainly a million years. I mean, a million of anything is hard for me to wrap my brain around. But do you realize that compared to eternity, even a million years, would be like one single drop of water in all the oceans and all the rivers and all the lakes of the world. Now imagine, for a minute, imagine draining this world of every drop of water. I don't know what you'd do with it, but bear with me. One drop at a time. And let's say that it took you a million years just to drain one drop. Do you realize that if we did that, eternity would still be in its infancy? But this being is, and always was, and always will be. And he is so powerful that he created everything. Now think about it. I, I can't even imagine, I can't fathom the amount of power it would take just to create this planet that we live on. Nothing else, just this planet. 
with the intricacies of plant life and the animal kingdom and especially the complexities of the human body. Obviously much more complex than I have represented here. But even outside of that, just the sheer size of this planet boggles my mind. If you were to drive from the east coast of the United States to the west coast on our interstate system, and let's say you don't exceed the speed limit, and you drive for just eight hours every day, it would take nearly a week to make that drive. If you've ever driven that, or even a portion of it, like I have, <laughs> uh, you have an appreciation for just how big our country is. And it's only a fraction of the entire globe. I do a lot of traveling with my work, and every time I fly, I, I still love to sit by the window. and I'm constantly amazed that at a cruising altitude of almost 35,000 feet, now that's nearly seven miles straight up from sea level, the horizon still appears flat. <clears throat> I mean, we've seen pictures of our Earth from outer space. The Earth is round, and yet at 35,000 feet, the horizon still appears flat. That, that's how big our planet is. And, and yet, as big as our planet is, it is still infinitesimally small compared to all that God has created. Let me explain what I mean, and I'm going to use the speed of light to do that. Light travels at an enormous speed, 186,000 miles per second. Now, miles per second is, is not a unit of measure we use very much. So if we do the math and we convert it to miles per hour, it comes out to almost 700 million miles per hour. Now, I don't know about you, but that still doesn't compute in my small brain. So let me give you a little perspective on just how fast that is. Now we just talked about how big the earth was, right? Let's say that you could stand anywhere on the surface of the earth. And um, I'm just going to put an X up there at the, we'll call that the North Pole. And you had a rifle that could fire a bullet at the speed of light. And let's further say, since this is just a fictitious rifle anyway, that the bullet could hug the curvature of the earth and it would not hit anything as it went around. And let's say that you're, you're curious, you want to know how long it would take for this bullet traveling the speed of light to go all the way around the earth. And you didn't really think this through. Uh, you don't know how long it'll take for the bullet to go all the way around the earth, but at the same time, you don't want to shoot yourself in the back. So you figure you'll just pull the trigger and duck out of the way. Well, the instant you pull the trigger, that bullet would hit you eight times in the one second it would take you to duck. Now that is fast. 
Now, the distance from the Earth to the Sun is, on average, 93 million miles. Light is so fast, it can travel that distance in just eight minutes. On the other hand, our entire solar system is so large that it takes that same light nearly 11 hours to travel from our sun out to the last planet. Now, our solar system resides within a cluster of stars called the Milky Way galaxy. If you could take our entire solar system, the sun and, and all of its planets, and we just talked about how big that was. If you could shrink that down to the size of a quarter, and, and we, if we were to walk outside and lay that quarter on the ground, the Milky Way galaxy would be the size of the entire United States in comparison to the size of that quarter. That is absolutely mind-boggling. Now, our Milky Way galaxy is what is known as a spiral galaxy, meaning that it's round, but it's also flat, like a disk, like a frisbee. Our own galaxy is so large, scientists tell us that it would take 100,000 years for light. Now, remember, that's light traveling at nearly 700 million miles per hour. To, to, for that light to travel from one edge of our galaxy to the other. The nearest spiral galaxy to our own is called Andromeda. How long do you think it would take light to travel across that intergalactic void between our two galaxies? you even have a guess? Think about something. How about this? Two and a half million years. Oh, man. Let me go one more. Using modern scientific instruments like the Hubble Space Telescope in orbit around our Earth right now, scientists and astronomers can see beyond the veil of stars in our own galaxy, and they, and they can see many, many other galaxies. Galaxies too numerous to count. You can see those galaxies in this picture uh, taken by NASA from the Hubble Space Telescope. You can see all those disc-shaped objects of various orientations and colors out in the distance there. But, <clears throat> excuse me, evidently there are scientists that, that specialize in counting things too numerous to count because they have estimated the existence of anywhere between 200 and 300, get this, billion. You heard me right. Billion, with a B, galaxies in the universe. Mind blown. Now, where am I going with all of this? Uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 12 talks about God 
measuring the heavens with the mere span of his hand. Can you wrap your mind around how big God is? Can you wrap your mind around how powerful God is? I have trouble doing that. This is what's known as the Helix Nebula, also taken by NASA with the Hubble Space Telescope. It, it's also referred to as the Eye of God because of the shape that you see there and the colors and so forth. Isn't that absolutely stunning? Let me tell you that the word awesome is the only word I know that can describe God and what God has created. Now, people today uh, use the word awesome to describe just about anything, but the Bible only uses the word awesome to describe God or what God has created. And, and I think now we can see why. And of course, there is such a being. We call him God or Lord or Jehovah in the Hebrew, he was Elohim. But his personal name, revealed to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, is represented by just four simple characters in the Hebrew. In Latin, the letters are Y-H-W-H. -H, and we simply pronounce that Yahweh. Fittingly enough, that personal name simply means I am. So, <clears throat> let me start to bring the big picture into sharper focus now. I don't profess to know the mind of God outside of what he has already revealed in his word. But when I read his word from cover to cover, when I meditate on it, I'm struck by the realization that God, an all-powerful being who had no beginning and who will have no end, decided to surround himself throughout eternity with specially created beings. Beings who loved him, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. And we can understand that, can't we? Especially as parents, we want our children to love us. And when they are small, they don't really have much choice, I don't suppose. But when they get older and they do have a choice, we want them to love us. Not because they have to. Not because they are somehow forced to. But because they want to. Because they respect who we are and what we have done for them, because they appreciate the love that we have shown toward them. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Let's step outside the box, as they say, and consider this question. If you were an all-powerful being, how would you accomplish that? How would you create these beings? And then how would you determine which ones loved you and which ones didn't? How would you determine which ones to keep with you for all eternity 
and which ones you would discard. I mean, if we were all powerful beings, we could easily create these creatures that loved us unconditionally, would obey our every command, wouldn't even question them. All we'd have to do is create them without the ability to choose. But then what would we have? Something like robots? And what good is that? But of course the reality is it doesn't matter how we would do it. What matters is how did God do it? And that is what this incredible book is all about. And if we read it from cover to cover, we see that God had a plan. And he's been working that plan. As part of that plan, God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he gave them a choice. He created them with the ability to choose. We also see that God, in his infinite wisdom, knew that given a choice, man would eventually choose to disobey, which they did. That disobedience separated them from God. And God's amazing plan is all about bridging that gap. Knowing that they would eventually disobey, God had to have a plan already in place for restoring a right relationship with those that, well, despite their disobedience, would come to see their need for God and would come to know him and love him. Again, not because they had to or were somehow forced to or compelled to, but because they wanted to. So at the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we see paradise lost. And at the very end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we see paradise restored. And we see what happens to those that choose to love him, as well as what happens to those that choose not to love him. And everything in between provides the details of this amazing plan. A plan that included bridging that gap created by sin. So that's a very simplistic view of the big picture. Everything we do in life should be viewed through the lens of this big picture. When our focus is on the big picture, it should change the way we view everything, everything else in life. I mean, how many decisions in life would be made differently if we simply viewed life with the end in mind? When we understand the big picture, then we can understand our purpose in life. And when we understand our purpose in life, then all of our actions should be devoted to that purpose. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 tells us that the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. That's not to be a trembling, cowering, 
incapacitating kind of fear, but a fear born out of respect and reverence for who God is, for what God has done, for what God is capable of doing. It is the kind of fear that should motivate us to action. You know, many people have searched their their whole lives and, and spent entire fortunes looking for the meaning of life. But here it is. People may not agree with it, but that doesn't change the reality. The entirety of our lives, whether it is 60, 80, or even 100 years, may seem so very long in the moment. But what is 100 years compared to eternity? Remember what we said earlier about draining all the oceans and the rivers and lakes, one drop at a time. And if it took a million years to drain each drop, by the time we finished, eternity would still be in its infancy. What is the span of our life compared to that? James chapter 4 and verse 14 uh, compares our existence here to that of a vapor that appears for an instant and then vanishes away. So, if you think about it, We only have a short time to decide. What do we have to decide? Whether or not we will love God and obey Him. Or whether or not we will simply ignore our Creator and waste our lives in the pursuit of temporary happiness. In the pursuit of whatever pleasures we can squeeze from this short existence. Life here on earth offers many choices. Eternity offers only two. And deciding not to choose, as represented by the word undecided here, well, that's a choice. Does that make sense? If we choose not to choose, (laughs) that's a choice. Now, speaking of choices, we've reached that point where you have a choice. I've shown you the picture on the cover of the box. What I'd like to do now is remove the cover and look at some of the individual pieces of God's amazing plan. In the interest of time, I've condensed this down to not 18,000 pieces, but just eight pieces. We'll spend some time on each one of these and we'll answer questions like, who is God and what is the evidence of God? What is the Bible? Where did it come from? Why is it so special? What is the gospel? How am I expected to respond to it? Maybe you've heard all you want to hear. Either way, The choice is yours. Thank you for your kind attention.